0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Be the best, and you got to pay no price. If you want it bad enough, you got to do a little extra things to get it.
1: Welcome to the Eleven Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host Jordan Rodriguez, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host Hammond Rich. How are we doing,
2: Jordan? As I think about this Rams preseason, I think about that famous literary phrase: <laughs> "To tight end or not to tight end." <laughs> Here we are. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, yes, that's
1: Poe, right? <laughs> sure. Let's let's go
2: with that. I, Shakespeare. I, Yeah, I'm not going to look that up necessarily, (laughs) but I'm pretty sure it was in there uh, somewhere. But um, interesting times, Jordan. I mean, we are now two weeks into the preseason. Uh, The Rams are making some roster moves. We're going to talk about that. Very unfortunate injury. I want to talk about that, what it means for Logan Bruss, what it means maybe for the offensive line in general. Quarterback, backup quarterback situation getting more interesting And Jordan, you're about to head off to Cincinnati. Beautiful, beautiful, lovely Cincinnati for a couple joint practices. I want to talk to you about that, too, because those often, from my experiences, can be uh, at least as interesting, if not more so, than the preseason games. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. But you know, maybe let's let's start with the unfortunate news, Jordan. I mean, if 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 people um, haven't already heard, and and boy, should they have already heard because they should be following you on Twitter and reading you on the Athletic. But they haven't, if they haven't already. Um, very unfortunate news for third round draft pick Logan Bruss, who looked like he was certainly going to be at least a part of the rotation, uh, this season and had to leave Friday night's game with a knee injury. Um, tell us what we know about that Jordan and what are kind of the implications now, uh, for the depth of the offensive line going forward.
1: Yeah. So it was interesting because on Friday night, sean mcveigh didn't he came into the press conference and he said he didn't have an an initial update and normally he just leaves it at that and this time he said sort of quietly almost like under his breath but obviously at a lectern with live active microphones all around he said but it didn't look good and so that's kind of when you knew okay you know they're getting they're getting multiple tests on this thing really checking out to see what happened and as it turns out, Sean McVeigh spoke to us on Saturday. We are recording this podcast on um, Sunday, and you should be hearing it hopefully Monday morning. Um, so happy start to the week to everybody. But Sean McVeigh spoke with us on Saturday morning and said that Logan Bruss tore his MCL and his ACL, and he's going to be out for the season. That's obviously something that's going to require that dual procedure as well. And so it'll be a long journey for Logan brass rehabbing. Um, this is the same thing that Jacob Harris went through, obviously for Jacob being about a, I would say like about a hundred pounds, if not more lighter than Logan brass and just a different type of movements. Um, we saw Jacob Harris rehabbing long into, um, through the end of the season and was only really just cleared. By the start of training camp now, he also had that injury deeper into the year than Logan Bruss has had this injury. So this is going to be a full, basically what I'm trying to say is this is going to be a full year situation in that recovery and rehab process. So I think we will be lucky um, and he will be lucky if he is able to participate in some capacity in spring OTAs. And you're probably looking more so at a sort of a training camp redo for Logan Bruss next year. And that's tough, you know. The Rams they really liked him in the draft, and he was their guy. This was the the storied sort of Andrew Whitworth up in the draft room. Kevin Carberry pacing back and forth, trying to not angst over whether someone would get their guy before they did. And and they really liked this guy. And you know, I, I would say that injury aside, we had already talked about how he wasn't necessarily in the lead for a position on this starting offensive line through Camp Coleman Shelton has really tenaciously grabbed a hold of that right guard spot. So Logan Bruss was clearly going to get some time to develop. And this is time lost now. It's unfortunate for him. Um, it's unfortunate for the Rams. It, it, it will be key developmental time that he will not have um, because when you're rehabbing and when you're going to start, he's, he'll start the year on an likely on an injured reserve designation and and you can't be, you know, in the meeting rooms in that regard, you have to be rehabbing. And so um, this is tough. Yeah. It's tough for the Rams. They're, they're going to be searching for some answers in terms of the depth question, Tremaine Ankrum being a guy who Sean McVay has name dropped multiple times as someone who will probably be called to the occasion in that regard to be a a depth player. And he also um, can play multiple positions on the interior, so that's a good sign as well. And they've also used A.J. Jackson, not just at that left tackle spot, but also on the interior as well. So I would, I would assume those two offensive linemen are going to be probably the top guys in terms of those, those uh, depth spots. You're looking at two, maybe three, um, in terms of an active game day roster of those depth positions. And Tremaine Ingram and, and A.J. Jackson are guys that we'd mentioned in the past who are the top candidates for that. And that hasn't changed, although um, that third spot now, if they do decide to keep a third spot in that regard, that becomes the big question because that was going to be Logan Bruss's.
2: Right. So... First of all, very unfortunate for for Logan Cross. Gosh, I mean, the guy's just trying to make an impact as, as a rookie, and now um, it's it's a setback. And obviously, like you said, Jordan, it's not just a setback for the season, but it impacts his ability to prepare for year year two, which is really important. So, really hate to see that. Um Underscores not in a good way at all, but underscores why Sean McVay and so many other coaches now are so careful about these preseason games. The uh, there's almost the the, the cost benefit uh, equation is just it's not there. It's not there to to play your starters and risk this kind of uh, injury in these games for the most part, although... And a little bit of a pivot here. We're talking about this Houston Texans game on Friday night. Houston did play a lot of starters They're, of course, in a little bit of a different position. They are not the Super Bowl champions by any stretch of the imagination, are they not? Um, so they're looking to get something a little bit different, probably out of this preseason. Um, but Jordan, tying that into the offensive line and probably tying it in also to the discussion that we're going to have about the quarterbacks, Um, Again, Houston did play a lot of their starters and did play them pretty deep into the game. Actually, Uh, anybody who watched that game, one of their primary takeaways was probably going to be that the Rams offensive line. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Not not what you want. Not what you want in any game preseason out in the park uh, on the street. uh, You don't want that anywhere, anytime. Um, But. Context. We always talk about context, right? And, and how that's important. And I think a lot of people said, oh, my gosh, the Rams just have no depth at offensive line. Well, here's the thing. Like those five guys, if those five guys are playing together in a regular season NFL game, yeah, you've got a really, really big problem. Um, that should never happen. I mean, you certainly are going to have injuries. You might have to have Alaric Jackson step in. You might have to have Tremaine Ankrum step in at some point, but chances are they're going to be stepping in with four other starters. So you're not going to have. Jordan, going back to one of my, my favorite lines of yours when we when we first got started out, it's it's the five fingers and the glove, right? <laughs> it's it's not you're you're not replacing the entire glove if one of those guys has to get in. You're just replacing, hopefully, just maybe the pinky finger and then the rest of the hand is is doing okay. So for me, Jordan, I, I worry a little bit less about that because that's not that's not the offensive line that you're ever going to see out there on a football field. Uh, hopefully, otherwise it's a disaster. That said, Jordan, what level of concern should there be? And I hate singling out people, but I think it's fair in this environment. I like the guy like Bobby Evans, who who struggled quite a bit in that game. And he is a guy who, if theoretically, if there was some type of injury, uh, you might need him to step in, whereas A.J. Jackson, Tremaine Ankrum, maybe you feel a little bit better about that. Um, so I, it pretty open-ended here, Jordan, but I mean, what, what was kind of your takeaway of that? And I mean, should there be concern about the depth of that offensive line?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think anytime you lose someone who you thought was going to be contributing depth in Logan Russ, if, if we're looking at the, um, you know, the 48, I think it is now game day actives, the eight up offensive line that I saw happening was your starters. And then, A.J. Jackson, Tremaine Ankrum, and Logan Bruss. So to me, Bobby Evans didn't necessarily factor into that group. Um, As Sean McVay says, sort of repeats whenever anyone asks him about Bobby Evans, is you know, or the line as a group. He just he says like Bobby Evans has played a lot of football for us, and I think there's benefit to having somebody who knows you know what is expected of the group as a whole, knows the calls and all of those things. But I think in this case, you're really hoping AJR Curie steps up in Mm. this last preseason game. And through the last couple of weeks, I think you're really hoping that he kind of goes a little bit Coleman Shelton ish and Brian Allen ish the year before that. And like wrestles that away. Um, And that uses that tenacity to sort of get a firm grip as offensive linemen often do um, on that that depth position because I do think that that sort of eight spot is is up for grabs. And I got to tell you, I'm not super confident that it should go to even some of the more veteran depth guys that they have because they've struggled to maintain a a, a hold on that spot in the past. And so if it were going to happen at this point in their careers, you, the staff probably would have hoped that it had happened by now. And of, of course, everybody's on their own journeys and I highly respect all of that, but they got to find the best eight, probably eight for maybe seven, probably eight at times for game day. And it's going to be hugely important when you just don't know. There are, there are unknowns. I think that there, there's so much potential in this offensive line in terms of, you know, even in the post Whitworth era with Joe Noteboom and, and um, David Edwards looks great. And Brian Allen has sort of that bulldog quality about him. And Coleman Shelton is playing f- fantastic football right now. Um, and Rob Havenstein is Rob Havenstein. And so I think there's so much potential there, but you can never factor in the injury question, right? So that's why your depth guys have to be, I think, a lot better. And, and I guess I'd probably remove AJ and Tremaine from from this next comment because I think they've done well. But I I think your your other depth guys have to be so much better than what they showed. And yes, it was going against the Texans first and second, though, and second team defensive line. And the one thing that I also want to point out is the Rams very clearly went with different strategies with their quarterbacks, not just for playing time, but in terms of the type of football, the type of offense they were running. They tested Bryce Perkins out behind that backup reserve offensive line to see if those guys could keep those lanes creative and keep those lanes going. And the one, the clip that I keep remembering is, you know, Bryce having to shed Bobby Evans as a blocker, quote unquote, because, yeah. and you're, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to, when you're, it's so much different when you have a, a quarterback who is a threat, an actual threat, not, not somebody who scrambles around or can run a couple zone reads or anything like that, but an actual, like the most dangerous runner on your team is the quarterback, right. which Bryce Perkins is every time he steps out on the field, um, you run a completely different offense than what you saw between those preseason games. So this week two preseason, you could see they they had very clearly said, OK, we know we've seen that you can be this electrifying, incredible threat with your legs in, in the the first game. And that was that was the plan for us to make sure to see that, that you could that you're that gamer. Right. And to also see how the line is is helping to keep those lanes open and blocking through the play which is hard to do it's not easy to do but then and then i i didn't think that they played in that regard i thought there were some some pretty down moments in that regard and then on the other on the other token um you know then you see okay now we're going to go a little bit more traditionalist like we're going to go a little bit more similar to what we run with Matthew Stafford, with um, maybe, uh, you know, 2019 versions of this offense. This was a lot of play action um, for both players, really. Um, and, and a lot of those keepers, yeah. you saw that. And that was, um, you saw the shift from week over week because this team is trying things and they're trying to figure things out. And so they should be doing this and it's very calculated. But you also then saw the struggle again, right? And so in some of those more traditional, maybe pass pro sets. And, and I thought that was a I thought that was an issue. And, you know, you saw John Walford, who takes five sacks in the first half. You cannot fairly evaluate a quarterback. Yeah. And it's not that John Walford's holding on to the ball too long. Maybe at one or two you think, OK, maybe John could have helped the line a little bit in that, but in, in ways that Bryce Perkins is you know obviously able to help he can flush pretty easily and and kind of make things happen out of structure. You don't want him to have to do that every single snap, but John Walford playing against this like first and second team pressure from Houston with this, with this offensive line, it wasn't, it wasn't like, get rid of it, get rid of it. Instead. It was like, Oh, the snap and instantly he's (laughs) under pressure.
2: Right. That was a
1: huge problem, a huge problem. Yeah. And, and then you saw, you saw this, especially with Raymond Calais, and John Walford in this game, you saw in the first half, the success that they had was when they had to then recalibrate and bring in pressure beater plays, those little catch and runs. And that's not necessarily what they want to be doing to get a fair evaluation of their quarterback. So I think, um, you know, now I've gone on the tangent, obviously, but I know we were going to talk about the quarterbacks, but I think
2: the great pivot
1: to your first question Rich I, I do agree with you you are concerned about that and and I think there's like I, I would agree when I criticized the offensive line last week too you know it's not that I thought they played bad the whole game I I quite clearly said you know yet I thought they got better as time passed um and in this in, in that case you could see when certain guys started to take command of that space Tremaine Anram and AJ Jackson I think in both weeks being, being guys who have done that. And I think that's probably why they've separated themselves from the rest of the group. And so I am concerned about that last depth spot um, to answer your original question.
2: Yeah. And look, that's all I've said this before in, in other um, sports, other teams. I mean, it, if, if one of your biggest concerns ends up being who's your eighth offensive lineman, um, you're probably in pretty good shape. Yeah. So, I mean, they there's certainly worse thing. There's a lot of teams out there worried about who their QB1 is going to be. That That's a much bigger problem than worrying about who uh, OL8 is going to be. So, uh, we have to put that in perspective a little bit. But we have seen from this team over the years is sometimes you need that depth. Sometimes you have an extraordinary amount of luck in injuries like the Rams had, you know, 2017, 18. Uh, uh, and sometimes you need that depth as you've seen over the last couple of years. So it's not a small thing, uh, but I also don't think it's a reason to panic, but uh, I'll be interesting. I just, I made a note, AJ R. Curry right here. Uh, so we'll, <laughs> we'll watch in that uh, final preseason game to, to see um, how, how he fares in that game. Uh, the other thing, Jordan, you, you, uh, yeah.
1: Just one more thing I wanted yeah. to say, I was going to bring this up. But I didn't want to, cause this was one of those things where I was like, if I say it at the beginning of this Answer. We are totally going off the rails. Side so I got to tell yeah. you, yeah. I got to tell you, you mentioned the the starters versus role players preseason. I'm firmly, I tell the story a lot. Like I'm firmly on board with resting all of your starters and your, your key players. I think that right. if you see a situation like that, John Walford was in, for example, and let's say it was your starting quarterback, as we've seen in the past with certain teams. Sure. If that's your starting quarterback and they're under that kind of pressure, I mean, that immediately sets the bar for bad habits for the rest of the, mm. the time and it puts them in danger. And I tell the story a lot where um, when I was covering Carolina and, and Cam was coming back from uh, a shoulder injury and he hadn't he played a, so much football for them, they knew what he was capable of at that point but he hadn't thrown in a live game in a while and they ended up deciding to play him in the third preseason game and he was going to take uh one to probably one to three series as if i'm recalling and it was like there was really no i'm like if is that if what what does that accomplish kind of a thing right and there was all there's was all this debate about it and all of that sort of and that was in i think it was I think it was 17. So then that was right when Sean was coming out and drawing all this criticism from like maybe some of the older generation of coaches in the league, because it was like, oh, you know, this, this whippersnapper, like he, he doesn't, he doesn't think he has to hit yet and all this stuff. And, and so it's, it's, it was interesting to see that dynamic from sort of a, a team that was doing things more traditionalistically, traditionally I added way too many consonants and vowels in that, but more traditionally, I get it. But I will tell you, though, that year, um, you know, there in my mind was no reason why Cam should have been out there. He had already established sort of these elite traits at quarterback and he knew the offense and everything. Yeah. And he played and it was like three snaps in. He was under pressure. They put him behind an offensive line that was terrible. Yeah. Um, And three snaps in, he uh, broke a bone in his foot, a Liz Frank injury. Yeah. Tried to rehab, then ended up being out for the season. Yeah. So it was, and then after that, it was just like a mess from there. And let's see, that would have been, that, that would have been maybe 20, I think that was 17, maybe 18, Yeah, whatever. It was they around that, <laughs> that same time. Anyway, anyway, you get what I'm saying. It was kind of like, absolutely. you don't ever think that the worst scenario will happen to you because it's an outlier. And then all of a sudden though. What if you are dealing with the worst case scenario? And so I, I the divide and my point in saying this is I'm firmly on board with not playing starters or role players in the in the preseason. Um, I think in Logan Bruss's case, I understand why they did because he he wasn't going to start. Like that was the thing right. you knew Coleman Shelton was going to be the starter. The second Logan Bruss walked out on the field, right. and so that in that case, you're like, okay, well he does need those snaps because Coleman Shelton was not really under much competition in foregoing that spot. I mean, he held on to that. It wasn't like Brian Allen coming up from under the, you know, under the radar and grabbing the spot when pads went on. The Coleman Shelton was the lead here since the spring and never relinquished it. So right. you, you knew that Logan was going to get those snaps and and obviously that was super important. So I think that's a different situation, obviously, but the divide has when I will go around and if I, when I talk to people about this from, from here on out, I will tell this story where I'll, I'll, I'll sort of re- like put away my, my other story, my Carolina story. And I'll now use this one yeah. up in the press box. We are sitting up there after the game, we come up from the locker room and um, somebody, I don't, I don't know who it was. Somebody was doing a, uh, a live radio broadcast for the visiting team up there and having a conversation and you know it's a workspace and all of that so like do your thing but it was interesting and i'm specifically saying in characterizing the divide right that this person was stunned and remarking to his co-host that he was floored by the fact that sean mcveigh didn't even suit up aaron donald bobby wagner Matthew <laughs> stafford and i sort of sat there and i thought I, I wasn't even trying to be critical or, or rude or anything, you know, I, I just was stunned by that because right. it was such, it showed such the gap that still exists in, in thinking. And I, th- I, you know, on, our, on, in our thinking, when we're like in this ecosystem that they've created out here and a lot of teams now do it this way and coaches, usually younger coaches will just not, not play starters. And, and you sit there and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. They, they've played a shitload of football. Like who, what does Aaron Donald have to prove to anybody ever, any, any more ever on the planet or Mars or the moon? Like, right. really, what do you, what more do you, what do you need to see out of him? <laughs> like, right. Right. or Matthew Stafford or, you know, any number of these veteran players that the Rams have and the, you know, factoring in the way they run their practices and whatnot. But it was fascinating to me because I was like, okay, because when you're in it, other the other way for so long and then you hear you hear sort of the the reasoning behind the old way then you're sort of like wow that really legitimately does still exist in the league like people still are stunned by this all these years later and despite all of the health statistics that the rams have had and the little the so few players lost to to injury games lost to injury um, by football outsiders where they're like top four every year and then you still come across sort of this divide in that thinking and it's it's fascinating to me and I think that especially you know now when we know so much about sports science and everything, to me those types of small things between that, the way you travel, to me those can be real edges for teams right. that want to pursue those things. And anyway, I just wanted to share that with you, Rich, because, and I guess with everyone listening to this, because it was, <laughs> it stopped me in my tracks. It really made me think, Oh my gosh, like that's, that's the fullest illustration of the divide and thinking, because on my end I'm sitting there and I'm thinking I would actually be, I would, I would think Sean McVay had lost all control of his facilities if he had put Aaron Donald, even in his shoulder pads to stand on the sideline. Right. Um, and then on the other side it was like how could he not do that and i'm sitting there and i'm like holy right. shit what is right. It? like
2: right yeah
1: this is a, this is the f- the fullest illustration of this that i could possibly dream up you know yeah
2: well and, and the other thing uh, beyond all of that that you just said is that it obviously works i mean the rams have and and uh, i'm not going to be the one jordan to to put the jinx on this It was Kevin Damoff on the broadcast who pointed out that Sean McVay has won every opener that he's ever coached. So that's on Kevin. So he's had
1: like the best September of any coach. And this is probably me exaggerating the stats, but it's like the first, the best September of like any coach in the league. Right. And, you know, maybe minus like a Matt. I mean, I don't have the numbers right in front of me. We all know he doesn't like these, these. You know, they're not worried about guys being mentally rusty. <laughs> yeah. Is what so, I'll say.
2: It, it, you know, regardless <laughs> of the health benefits, which see, also seem clear, I mean, you can't argue it. I mean, how much, you know, the entire point of the preseason, right, is to get you ready for September games. Well, as you just said, Jordan, who's been better in September than Sean McVay? Nobody. So like, why would you why would you look at that and think, gosh, that's strange? Why is he doing that? Well, he's doing it because it's worked for five years and, and there's really no reason to change. I would imagine what worked maybe at some point there will be, you know, maybe at some point you get a rookie quarterback in there or you get uh, a, a different combination of offensive line and you think there is some benefit to doing it. I don't know what the situation would be exactly. Guarantee I you
1: it will not be if there's a rookie quarterback. Guarantee you that quarterback will still not play in the preseason. I'll put money on that. No, I I would bet that too.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right.
1: Here's how it changed, Rich. Yeah. If somehow some sort of hidden advantage that they'd never thought of before right. existed right. that would get them more wins in November, if yes. they would if they were to do something different in the preseason, if if that could directly somehow translate in November specifically, right, then hell yeah, man. You're LP seeing doing. everyone. Sean McVay's throwing on pads at that point, brother. Uh, like that, that actually is- wouldn't
2: <laughs> surprise me, actually. That
1: <laughs> is- <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, I mean, it's, and again, I knew we were going to, because it's so interesting. It is so interesting. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah. illustrative of the divide, some of the divide and thinking still across the league that, um, I was like, okay, well, I got to tell, I got to tell you this story, but also if I tell you at the beginning of of answering a question, we're totally going off the rails.
2: Right. No, it's a great, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to see how different teams handled that and and why. And like you said, that divide that's still there, even though to me, it's, it's a slam dunk. I mean, being in this situation, I can't imagine, uh, I can't imagine it. There's no, there's no benefit to me at all, but there's uh,
1: more chance of me playing in the preseason than there is Aaron Donald. Playing in the preseason, I'll say. That. What
2: position? What position would you put so Jordan?
1: I so you also mentioned the five finger and the the pinky. I heard yes. a new. I, so I'm obsessed with the safety position. Obsessed okay. with it, right? And okay. and you know you know this, and especially the way the Rams play their safeties. And um, I was talking to Taylor Rapp the other day, mm-hmm. and um, we were talking about how, uh, I'm trying not to give away too much. Cause I'm obviously working on something, <laughs> but, but right. um, we were talking about that flow that you get into as a group, like, and the coach speak for it is like, you're playing on a rope, right? Like you're all connected to a rope and you're waving. And to me, it's like a more of a kelp in the ocean situation in my mind. But okay. so then, then we came up with a really good one when you're all on one accord. Um, so first we mentioned that there's no weird finger on the, on the fist, there's no finger on the fist sticking out. And then we were like, actually, it's more like there's no weird carrot in the bag of baby carrots. <laughs> <laughs> I was like food, the food metaphor, yes, you yes. know, we gotta have the food metaphor. There's no, there are no weird carrots in the baby carrot bag of that is this Ram safety group.
2: No. <laughs> Was was that your way of saying that you would be the, the weird carrot in the bag? Yes, if, if I would you be were the weird carrot.
1: Yes. So I would to answer your question, I would play safety and yes. also um, I would be hmm. definitely I'd be the weird carrot. I always feed those to my dog so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sorry Tucker, I hope you're not listening to this. Don't, don't take offense.
1: He's like, <laughs> you know, I I it's like he's dogs have such a beautiful way of looking at the world, right? Cuz for right. him it's like the best right. car- the best carrot that ever existed.
2: Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. Let's let's all, let's all try to look at the world that way, right? There are no bad carrots.
1: There are no weird carrots. <laughs> yeah, there are no
2: weird carrots. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. Um I don't know how you pivot from that to quarterbacks, but, (laughs) but let's try to do it Uh, because all right, Jordan, I I have my thoughts on this, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil the bag of carrots here, so to speak. So um, John Wolford plays the first half. Bryce Perkins plays the second half Uh, to me. uh, Maybe not to me. Okay. Public, public sentiment. There's, there's three things going on here. Okay. Scenario number one, uh, There's an open competition for the number two quarterback position, and the Rams want to see uh, whether or not they should promote Bryce Perkins over John Wolford. Scenario number two, you know John Wolford is your number two quarterback. You're trying to see whether or not you want to keep Bryce Perkins as your third quarterback, whether you want to carry three quarterbacks. Scenario number three, and I think I want you to elaborate on this if you could, because I think it's it's something that you brought up in a way, and I think it's fascinating. Do you intend, do you hope, if you're the Rams, to keep all three of them in your building, in your locker room? But maybe there's a way to sneak John Wofford in without having three quarterbacks on your active roster. So my two-pronged question to you, Jordan, is what scenario is the most probable there if you're getting into Sean McVay's head? And two, if you could elaborate on that last scenario, because I think it's fascinating and I'm wondering if it's something that the Rams might actually consider slash pull off. Two
1: prongs, that's a weird carrot. (laughs) (laughs) there we go oh man went off the rails rich um That's that's okay okay so i this whole situation as we love to say on this podcast and everywhere else there are multiple things that are true at the same time at the same time um you guys can't see us i'm waving my hands in the air right now like multiple things true at the same time yes. okay so i'm just gonna let list them all out all right so first and foremost yes i do believe that they want to make it feel more competitive between bryce perkins and john walford both of these guys do very specific things that the rams love And it also probably depends a bit, too, on who you ask within the building and within the coaching staff as to what is deemed more valuable, quote unquote, to the Rams overall operations as to which quarterback they feel can be the best sort of way forward in that regard. So you're you're looking at John Walford, who give who who picks up every opposing offense all week, uh, every week for 17 weeks in the playoffs and runs a live scout team against the Rams' first team defense. They run a live scout team because it gets the defense a better look and a better feel for the type of tempo that the other team plays with, the type of cadences, the type of um, uh, of run-pass combinations, the type of concepts that the way that the um, the quarterbacks, you know, it, it's it, it's that's what running a live scout team does. Okay, so you're not you're running that in that way which they introduced back in, um, I believe it was 2020. They started doing it this way and it was, it's super important, right? Because you have to see how your first team defense can clash against whatever version of a first team offense in scout team form that will be, and you're doing it in, in live competitive reps, right? Throughout the week of practice. Um, so that's, that's one thing, but you also, Now you're going to see a a different variety of quarterbacks, especially this year, than maybe you faced in quite a long time, not just because Trey Lance and Kyler Murray are in the division and reports out of 49ers camp are saying that Trey Lance is doing a lot of really good things. Um, So you have to make sure that you're also giving your defense the types of looks that if the 49ers want to do, um, more of the zone read, if they want to run more of um, sort of the quarterback being a threat, a positionless player um, like they do with some of their other players, if you're thinking that they're going to do that, Bryce Perkins not only can run does, you know, he obviously runs the Rams offense, but he also, he can game in that way. You can get those looks, help Josh Allen, who's coming to town and is going to be one of the best quarterbacks, the Rams face all the year, um, is quite a threat, um, on the ground. And he's very hard to tackle Mm -hmm. and Bryce Perkins. Similarly, you're not obviously tackling to the ground in practice, but he is very, very hard to contain, very hard to tackle. You need to understand what contours you take against a quarterback like that. So that's specifically in the scout team. To me, that, that is why it's valuable to keep both of them. Right. Um, over time, I would assume, and in part, hopefully, they're hoping that some of these preseason games, again, I think you throw out this last one because there's no there's no fair evaluation you can really give, I think, to to Walford in that case and probably not even to Perkins because Perkins was at that point, he's going against the backups and, and all of that. And John right. Walford is going against the first team and then the the second and third team or pretty much third team offensive line right. is just not holding up to some of that pressure. Um, so I think you kind of just, I know they'll pull out plays and they'll study different things and they're probably getting value out of it, but to a lay person, it just doesn't seem like a valuable use of evaluation. Um, so I think that's part of it. Yes. You want to keep that competition going. You want to make sure that these guys feel like they're vying for a backup spot in the traditional sense of the role, but the bigger, broader picture of why Keeping both of these guys is so valuable is specifically for the countless hours of work that you put in throughout the entire week that nobody sees and way too few people talk about in terms of what a backup quarterback's job actually freaking is. Right. Um and it and it all applies to the the level of defensive play that you are freaking seeing on Sundays from a group that knows what's coming that part of the language of this defense is to match routes is to read the quarterback from depth is to rotate down and sort of screw down on tendencies and understand those types of things that you're literally running and scout team all week, hours and hours and hours of this. It's not just, Oh no, the starting quarterback is hurt. Okay. Send the backup in. It's that's not just the job of the backup quarterback, a productive and efficiently used backup quarterback in this case, two tiered, two pronged, backup quarterback system is you're getting every single type of look that you possibly could need or want from any type of quarterback through the entire year. Okay. That said, you probably don't want to keep three active roster spots, especially now that you can keep veterans on the practice squad, especially now that you can elevate and, and de-elevate guys up and down a couple of times based on the new rules, post COVID, uh, post COVID regulations. And so in my mind, at least part of what the Rams were looking for, because there's there's, there's this consensus that there's too much tape out on Bryce in terms of teams already, teams know what he's capable of, what he can do, the variety of things that he can do. That's part of the reason why the Rams stashed him or like kept him on the af- active roster be- is because there were teams sniffing around him who would be very interested in signing him to the active roster, okay? Mm-hmm. So if you already know that, if you already know – that that's the baseline that you're working with from last year is, yes, we know there are teams who would be interested in signing this guy to their active roster. Should he be put through waivers? If you're trying to save that third active spot, what do you do? Okay. You see how much interest there would be based on sort of, putting John Walford out there, you see then you you poke around and you snoop around, lurk around other places because all these guys are doing that. They're all on the phone with each other and texting people who know a guy who knows a guy and all that stuff. They're all doing that this time of year. So you sort of put John Walford out there and you see, okay, is anybody going to be interested enough? Is there enough? Are you feeling enough buzz about this guy to where he definitely would not be able to sneak through waivers, understanding that a team who picked him up would have to put them on their active roster. And he would have to be in that case, either the back, the starter or the backup, depending on the situation that he's going to. Right. Right? Okay. So, so there's, there's all that, right? So all of that is true at the same time. And I also think a reader, um, I think his name's Anthony V and please forgive me if I mess that up. I don't have my phone in front of me. Also brought up a very good point in my column last week. The Rams also Sean McVay noted that when you have a quarterback who is doing such dynamic and explosive things and is the biggest threat in the run game, you can't evaluate your running backs because the quarterback is the best running back on the field. The quarterback is the biggest threat in the run game. So also to me, part of putting John Walford in also as long as all the other things are true at the same time, this is like the Waving Hands podcast. Yes, Um, All of these things are true at the same time. And it can also be true that the Rams wanted to run a little bit more of their quote unquote traditional offense and really see the running backs that they have in those depth positions. And it's pretty clear. You saw that they made some cuts that were indicative of some of the evaluations that they had at that position. Right. Right. Um, And so I think that that was also true. You saw specifically like, yes, Bryce Perkins still clearly had the option, but the biggest tell to me was that perhaps somebody said to him, or they were planning this, this ahead of this game to uh, run more of their structured offense and less of their out of structure offense was that keeper. That he threw where Jacob Harris leveled the under guy yes. and uh, Bryce Perkins could have in an out of structure offense could have taken that keeper all the way up for the first down himself. But in the Rams sort of bootleg keeper situation that they run with their quarterbacks, they ask you to pass to the, the over concept in the route. And Lance McCutcheon being the over-concept in the route, right? In the route combo with Jacob Harris being the under and also destroyer of of worlds, right? And (laughs) Bryce Perkins, I talked to him in the locker room about this after the game, was like, that's their coach to do that. Their coach to keep it, keep it, keep it, and then hit the downfield throw, right? That is the in-structure version of this offense. So to me, they were also trying to see those looks for these quarterbacks in the in-structure, which also makes it clear that they were trying to get an understanding of what their run game actually looked like. That doesn't take anything away from them. Really. They're being sort of a divided room on, you know, in my, in my sense of it, like, sort of mixed opinions on who the better backup quarterback in an emergency actual game situation would be. That doesn't change that the fact that there's going to need to be a competition there. It doesn't change the fact that they were evaluating both guys. It doesn't change any of that, that they're looking at roster math. All of this is true at the same time in my mind, all of this can be true.
2: Yes fantastic okay, i'm done
1: yelling i'm uh, done no. yelling in your direction now rich
2: <laughs> no that 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 i feel like we, I, I wish there was a visual element to this where we could like do kind of like you know charts like a like a tree to to break it all down because they and, <laughs> and all of it goes hand in hand it's not just one branch going that way and one branch going that way they, they also you know laterally tie in too and then there's a there's a whole lot of stuff that goes into it and i think probably like it would be interesting to go back in time i don't know how many years you would want to say 10 years 15 years whatever Uh, i think this discussion that we're having now is not a discussion that would have been had that probably the discussion then probably would have been okay who's the second best quarterback who's going to step into our offense if somebody gets hurt and now that's not really the case as you said certainly yeah you want to you you want to put somebody in in there who can play yeah uh, but that's not uh, that's not the driver anymore. And let's be honest here, Jordan, like, I mean, if, if and, I, and I've said this before, I, I know the backup quarterback is like the most popular guy on the team. Like I've saw I've seen it for years here, going back to Sean Mannion, whoever else you want. Everybody loves the backup quarterback. But I mean, let, let's be real here. If if for some reason, Matthew Stafford were to go out with any type of serious injury. There's going to be a big drop off. Let's let's be honest here, like no no matter who it is. So let's not pretend like, oh, gosh, John Walford or or Bryce Perkins, who's going to be the best replacement for Matthew Stafford? No, there's not going to be a good replacement for Matthew Stafford if if that comes right now. You probably
1: can't afford that guy either. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, some teams can. Some teams prioritize that in, in a backup quarterback because maybe they're not as sure about their starter or there's a big injury risk or whatever it may be. So they want to have somebody there at number two who's ready to step in if possible. That's not really what the Rams have, have built this around here. Um So it'll be really interesting to, to see how this goes, Jordan. And and I guess maybe, you know, obviously there's a lot of stuff that ties into, I just don't think you can, I don't think you can risk putting Bryce Perkins out there. I, I don't think you can risk saying, eh, let's see, let's see if he goes through. Correct. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't, I don't think he would get through. Um, so then what that to me, the question becomes, OK, is are you so concerned about that that you keep three or do you look at it and say, John Wofford, eh, let's let's give it a shot. Let's let's see. What yeah, happens. do you take
1: that risk? And that's mm-hmm. the big risk part of it where, like, you could be right. You could be it could be that he could pass through and you could resign him to the practice squad. And in if you are able to resign him to the practice squad, that's a usually a pretty good sign that he'll be safe there for at least you know, right. the short term or, or whatever, and then right. maybe something down the road. You need to have three quarterbacks up just in case as the season gets going. So then you bring them back up, and other parts of your roster manifest in different ways. And so then you you can maneuver in that way. But this for the initial fifty three. If you are willing to take that risk. And, and like I said, I think some in the building would be willing to take that risk. And I think some would very much not be willing to take that risk. Um, so I think that was a lot of what that first half was about. And also I did talk to John about this, not this particular topic, because how would you ever talk to someone about that? That would no be kidding. so horrible. Um, yeah. But it, it's like, that would be awful. But I did talk to him about their game planning for this particular um team and they were extremely aware from the jump that the texans were going to play most of their starters so it wasn't like they were surprised out there and to me that could have had something to do with it too mm. um in you know some of the, wanting to uh get some of those looks off without maybe um you know making without maybe making the quarterback who can run go out of structure because that's how he would normally react as he should to avoid pressure and all of that. Like, I'm not saying sacks are good at all. They're not good, but you, you could clearly see that they wanted to play in structure. And I think when you have a Bryce Perkins who can avoid the pressure the way that he can, um, when you see some of that pressure coming as immediately as it did, maybe you're, maybe the the entire game plan has to scrap because you're like, well, F this essentially like the coach, the coach is not Bryce. Bryce would obviously do what right. he's, he's great. He would obviously do what they wanted to do, but like, even if it's a sack, you're still sort of running the plays you need to run within the structure of what your plan was understanding that you knew that type of pressure was probably coming. And I, I think that yeah. also says more speaks more volumes again about the offensive line depth. Cause again, knew that pressure was coming, knew yeah. that those guys would be playing. So yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. If it's me, Jordan, I I take the risk on John Walford. Um, I and, and it's not a, a dislike of his game. It's certainly not a dislike of him personally. <laughs> um, but I, I I think it's I think it's worth the risk. I have not studied the quarterback situation for all 31 other teams. I'm not going to pretend like I have. Um, but but knowing uh you know, knowing John Walford's skill set, I, I don't know. I don't know whether there's a team out there right now that's going to go, yes, we absolutely need this guy. This guy is the answer for us. Uh, at backup quarterback, and and I think on the Ram side, it's it's worth it. It's worth it to uh, to take a shot there. And and quite frankly, if you lose John Wofford, that's it's not great. It's certainly not great. But but then you have Bryce Perkins. You've got Bryce Perkins, who's shown in in similar situations at least that that he can lead an offense, that he can get the ball down the field, and as we just talked about, all the other benefits that he brings in terms of uh, your preparation and all of that. So. Not an ideal situation, probably not. Not like you said, Jordan. Not not one that's uh, going to be made easily or without some some lost nights of of sleep, perhaps, or at least uh, some lost hours of sleep. If you're Sean McVay, um, worrying about that quarterback position, but um, really interesting. We we actually have a a decision to 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 think about here at quarterback, which is something I don't think we've uh, we've had on the Rams beat for for a while. So um, we'll see. We'll see where that goes and. We, we uh, mentioned it at the beginning, Jordan, but that uh, so the Rams made a couple roster cuts um, as they've been doing after these preseason games. Clearly, the most surprising one, I think it's fair to say, uh, was tight end Kendall Blanton, um, who had played himself into uh, a, certainly a big role in the Super Bowl and uh, out of necessity, in part because of some injuries and I think had been considered in in many circles to be. Uh, Someone who was a strong candidate for the roster because of his not because of his dynamic uh, uh, pass catching necessarily, but but because of what else he brought to, to the to the room and. He's now gone. And um, you. I'll, I'll say this up front, Jordan, you said it uh, either on Twitter or in your column or both. But uh, the timing of it certainly gives Kendall an opportunity now to, to catch on uh, with, with somebody else and hopefully have time to prove that he can make a roster, uh, earn a roster spot with, with somebody else. Um, but it certainly... It says something about what the Rams are doing here, and I feel like we're getting ourselves right back into the position of multiple things can be true at My the same time. My arms are raising as we yes, speak. My arms ready. are
1: raising in the air. <laughs> but
2: you know, I, I I think people tend to draw a lot of straight lines and say, "Oh, you know, well, this means this about Bryce and Hopkins, or this means this about Jacob Harris." I I, it, I don't think that's necessarily true, right? And and you've even raised. What I thought was a fascinating point uh, about even some of the receivers, how even Cooper Cup at times, depending on how you define things or look at things, could be viewed in certain senses as a, as a tight end in, in certain roles. So um, another two part question, Jordan, because I know how much you love these. Um, we're we're.
1: And as yes. we speak, yes. the Washington oh. commanders just claimed Kendall Blanton off of breaking waivers. news yeah. on a
2: Sunday afternoon. I'm, I'm glad you were on Twitter because I, I was not. So there you go. So good for good for Kendall. And and, uh, you know, hopefully out of that, he gets a chance now over the next. I don't know. How many days do we have until the opener? Uh, two weeks, I guess, to uh, to show that he can um, earn a spot. So I
1: like him in a Scott Turner offense. Ron Rivera's out sure. there like he's a good he's a player's coach like Scott Turner. Um, I think could do some really creative things with him. I like him. He's a good like speed power combo, like mix, mix up, change up. That's the word I was looking for. A bit of a change up because they do have some really fast, really good receivers over there. Um, I think that's a good fit. I'm not, you know, if I wouldn't maybe like pick, project the maybe out of a lineup to say, oh yeah, that's going to be the team that takes him. But I'm not seeing it. I'm not surprised. Like that's, that makes sense to me.
2: Yeah, well, well, good, good luck to him. I mean, he did nothing but, uh, you know, prove that he deserved opportunities with the Rams. So um, hopefully he continues to, to do that in, in Washington. But um, so when, when that came out, Jordan, I guess, how did, were you surprised at all, first of all, that, that that happened? And then second, what does it mean, you know, talking about putting these things in the right context and multiple things being true? Um what does that mean not only for the for the tight ends, but also the dynamic between the receivers and the tight ends and how those guys are viewed and how much uh, how much overlap there is or, or how many of those decisions go hand in hand? I mean, do, do you do you think it do you think it's instructive at all in terms of the in terms of the roster construction?
1: Yeah, I think so. And I'll be the first one to admit this too. I had sort of put Kendall and Bryson and Tyler all like, I sort of locked that position group. I think I even wrote book it in one of my (laughs) columns the other week. And I'm like, wow, that aged well. Um, (laughs) But, but no, I thought, you know, I really is. It was a surprise to me. It. Okay. So at first it would have been a surprise to me had the last two weeks not unfolded the way that they did. It's, I still didn't necessarily expect them to cut a, a tight end, like I thought, okay, they'll probably keep three. They won't keep four. They'll probably keep three. And I sort of looked at it as well, Kendall technically has the most experience and had that playoff experience. And they're, you know, without real games actually happening, there's really not a huge concern level that like he's um regressed in any way. Like you could expect that they'd probably keep the development going. But I think. Over the last two weeks, and again, multiple things that are true all happened at once. Um, it was Bryson Hopkins pulled a Brian Allen slash Coleman Shelton slash whatever whoever else he he bulldog grabbed the the position and. Showed clear ownership of it, and I think he should be commended for that. Bryson Hopkins, obviously, our player X from way back in the day. Um, shout That's out right. to our former producer Danielle, who <laughs> uh, fantastically helped us with that one. Um, that was a fun. That was a fun one. But Bryson Hopkins really has showed these guys something, and I, I mentioned it. He looked fat. I mentioned it at the beginning of of camp, and it drew you know the the eyeball emojis or whatever. And I was like, oh no, it's too soon to really say this. Beginning of camp, he looks faster. He looks stronger. He looks more confident. He looks um, like he looks like he's ready to contribute in a meaningful and impactful way alongside Tyler Higby as the tight end one. And Tyler Higby being a complete tight end. And you know, you could tell over the last two years they tried to maybe see where Bryson fit. Could he, was he the mismatch guy? Well, you know, maybe the speed wasn't quite there to be the hybrid mismatch guy. Okay, well, is he going to be the inline guy? Okay, so he bulks up last year okay, is that where he fits as the inline guy? And then they kind of saw what he was able to do in the highest of high-pressure situations in the Super Bowl. And it wasn't just that. It was also how he came into camp, right? And really, to me, showed, um, you know, he'd have a bad day with a couple of drops, but then he'd show up the next day and he'd really seem focused, right? Like he showed that positive growth. And you could really see it over the last two weeks that he showed that positive growth. So it's not that to me, it's not that Kendall regressed at all it's that and again it's going to be a combination of things people like it is part of this is that bryson just really improved in my opinion right right. that combined with the the other truth that this is a team that would that is probably legitimately consider considering what would happen if they only rostered two tight ends now could i see them keeping three because roger carter we really liked our nick nick baumgardner um wrote some great things. We wrote some awesome things about him, um, at the athletic in as, af, after he was picked up in the UDFA class, if you haven't read that scroll down in your app for, you know, nine years and you'll be able to see it. Um, and I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 uh, I'll link it upon request. If you guys are curious and you tweet at me about it because, um, he's somebody who's super intriguing, versatile player, um, capitalized on that play that the special teams play this last preseason game and obviously scored the touchdown. So yes, I could see him, you know, if they want to keep three tight ends, I could see them uh, rostering Roger Carter jr. Um, But I could also just as easily see them keeping two. And here in lies sort of the roster math of the Kendall Blanton cut, which is the emergence of Lance McCutcheon, a receiver who is really versatile and looks already like an every down receiver. And we've talked ranted even ad nauseum about the importance of your four having to do a lot of different things, your wide receiver yeah. four having to do a lot of different things. Um, the emergence, and we saw it in real time, it's, we've seen it in flashes in, in camp and, and in practices. And I know p- p- not everyone is privy to that. So I know I've asked for a little bit of a trust fall here with Jacob Harris, but I think people saw really what he could be capable of right. in this preseason game. Um, and the emergence of Jacob Harris, who is a wide receiver. Okay. But we're going to get to that in a minute. So the emergence of Jacob Harris, right? So now you're looking at, okay, so you might be, you might need be needing to keep or wanting to keep eight receivers. I wouldn't rule out the fact that this team keeps eight receivers. And in part, because some of your like, quote unquote, our long running joke, 11 and a half personnel guys who are like that can do tight end things um, as receivers are Cooper Cup, obviously, are Ben Skoranek, mm-hmm. are Lance McCutcheon, are Jacob Harris. So really, what is it? What's the reason why you would feel required to have three players on your roster with the word tight end next to their name? Like, what's what, What's the real, what does that really accomplish if you have eight receivers who are actually just doing a lot of different things for you that, that a, a tight end three would do? Um, like, what would be the reason for that, right? So like... It's like we got to we got to be a little bit more fluid when we think about the labels on some of these positions. And Sean McFay, I encourage you guys to go back and listen to his press conference. I asked him about the evolution of the tight end position, one that he takes like great sort of focus on because it's how he got to start. And also one that he's like really been obsessed with sort of tweaking and evolving in this fluidity um, as this this group has moved forward over the last several years since 2017. And you can really see that you can see the fruits of that. In the way that this particular group of role players would be structured, because you could have Tyler Higby and Bryson Hopkins active, fine. You're also using, as he noted, you're also able to use some of your reserve linemen as quote unquote ah. jumbo tight ends, which they sure. did that got them through, uh, that got them out of that funkiness in November. That's what they did. They used Joe Boom as a tight end and right. Colin Shelton as a tight end. Um, in their personnel groupings, it doesn't matter that they were listed as offensive linemen on the ras- roster. Pardon my French, but who gives a shit like right. what they're listed as at the roster? Right. It's where they're playing when the game's going. Right. And and so that's what I want to encourage people to think about is think about this group, this particular position with a ton of fluidity, because the more fluidity you have. And the less bogged down you get in looking at, okay, okay, so what number is he on the depth chart and what's the the little abbreviation next to his name? The less the the less you think about that and the more you think about, okay, what are all the designs that now open up? What are all the combinations that now open up when you have six guys on this roster who could play either? Tyler Higby being a pass catching mismatch when he's used in the pass game. Being one of them, Cooper Cup, uh, Jacob Harris, Lance McCutcheon, What are the what's possible when you have a bunch of guys who can do a lot of different things, whether it's in the traditionalist sort of inline role or detached from the stack as a pass catcher or out of the slot as a pass catcher or um, any any which way, right? I think that that's what we have to start thinking about, and I think that this cut shows that the Rams are very much exploring that particular facet of this and that they found a couple of guys that they really like who could in a pinch or even by design on purpose, um, contribute in meaningful ways in a variety of different roles that aren't reductive in that they're not reduced to the little T and the little E next to your name on the roster.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, in, in a lot of the same ways that we look at the secondary sometimes and say, oh, is it going to be this number at this position or this number at that position? Like it, it's probably the same thing here. I mean, it's, it's probably a little bit, uh, you know, trivial to say, oh, is it going to be seven receivers and three tight ends? Or is it going to be eight receivers and two tight ends? You should probably almost just say, is it going to be 10 of those guys? Yeah. Uh, right. Total. <laughs> like, I mean, and and uh, that that's fascinating to see. And boy, I can only imagine what uh, Sean McVay is thinking, you know, when when he's when he's given these kind of guys and say, hmm that's interesting what what can I do with with this kind of tight end or this kind of play or even I I even forgot to mention Ben Skoranek. I mean another great example of uh, somebody you obviously you just brought him up but I I hadn't even thought about him as somebody who absolutely can uh, kind of fill I don't want to call it a hybrid role I think that's that I think that's limiting but uh, just somebody who can do a, a lot of different things if if he's able to uh, be consistent out there so uh, yeah I mean so yeah in one sense it's it's a Surprising. I mean, Kendall Blanton certainly brought some things to the table. You saw what he did in the Super Bowl, and uh, was a big part of what they did. But uh, again, nothing happens in a vacuum here. There's a, there's nothing, uh, v- very little, and then unless you just completely screw up and you know commit a bunch of penalties or uh, whatever it may be, uh, it, it, chances are your your spot on the roster is going to be tied to something else. Um, and certainly, it comes no down no matter to
1: what the coach says in public. By no the way.
2: matter what the because coach says, you gotta in public. say.
1: A certain line in public when you are asked yes. why a guy gets cut a coach has to say a specific yes. line that while it can be true many other things are also true at the yes. same time that said yes. coach is not saying or able to say just throwing break, that out there
2: break out your nfl coach translator for <laughs> uh, when when necessary i have one uh keep on my bookshelf at all times just, just in <laughs> case i need it um all right jordan three preseason games and we're coming to the last one yay for everybody i think <laughs> right um but see here's where i i loved joint practices and i i only got to do a, a couple of these uh, we we're in baltimore for a very very hot and sweaty a uh, couple of days out, out in that facility a couple of years ago and uh you're going to cincinnati um The Rams will practice joint practices uh, on Wednesday and Thursday, leading up to that final preseason game on uh, Saturday. Um, You will be there uh, to to chronicle everything, obviously. Um, What do you expect out of those? I mean, I know we just talked about a lot of things. Can you kind of let people know? Let let me me introduce it this way. Can you kind of let people know um, what those are like? Um, yeah. and, and why, why coaches think they're so important. And to me, increasingly important, it seems uh, as, as the years go on here and, and within that, what, what does that mean for the Rams? What are they going to be trying to, uh, maybe get out of those, those two days of practice?
1: Yeah. So the reason why these matter is for, again, we just need to make t-shirts rich, rich, like for a, a variety of things, all, all of equal or, or, or. Re- relevant importance, right? Sure, sure. So they matter because it's a controlled environment. So you're tackling, but you're not necessarily uh, tackling with ill intent uh, by direction of what practices by CBA rules and all of that, how they're supposed to be structured and some of the guidelines that um, you follow during this time. It's it's a little bit different than it would be in a preseason game where you are tackling and you could be tackling and you should probably should be tackling with ill intent Um, But in this case, you're tackling, but you're you're doing it in the safest way that is possible to actually tackle, um, which is to say it's still physical. It's still pads on pads. It's still going to clack around a little bit. Um, You're also not allowed to sack the quarterback, uh, which is important because Matthew Stafford will be throwing in these as far as I know. Um, And the first team offense will be playing. It's also important because you can control the surface. Um, If you will look, the Rams are not going to want to put any of their players out in the preseason, not just because they wouldn't in general, but also you're going to be able to control the playing surface, which is a natural grass field, playing on grass as long as you possibly can. If you look at the people the the Rams have, have gone against It's all with that same thing in mind. It's the Cowboys and Oxnard, again, on natural grass. It's the Raiders hosting the Raiders, again, on natural grass. You're basically preserving that surface for your first and second team as long as you possibly can. And that's part of the importance of it. You're not subjecting people to unnecessary work. I would say maybe some teams maybe don't think about this part, but I would guarantee the Rams think about this part where you're not subjecting somebody to that turf who is a, a key player for you until you absolutely have to ban artificial turf there. I've said it, I'm done. Um, I will die on this hill and hopefully it's a, a very pretty hill full of uh, natural Kentucky bluegrass, but another, um, another
2: t-shirt for us.
1: Yeah, another, t- another t-shirt. Um, okay. And so then the other thing is um, you, you pick, the type of look that you think you're going to get, or this is how Sean McVay does it, right? This is how the Rams do. I can't speak for other teams, but I know this is how the Rams do it. So the way that they were, Sean McVay knows by now, based on some of his demons from 2018, he knows that he's probably going to see a lot of similar defensive looks that the Bengals were running, particularly some of their coverage concepts that they were running against him um, in the Super Bowl. He's probably going to see that quite a few times from other teams moving forward if they have the capacity of personnel to play that. So it's an opportunity to practice in a controlled environment against those types of looks. It's an opportunity to get your first team looks against those types of looks Um, that you also are not seeing in the preseason because no team is unrolling their actual plan in the preseason. And I would say it even might go a step further in this case um, with, with Sean McVay and Zach Taylor. It's someone you trust, someone you trust to have control. Like for me, when I first see that, I'm like, Ooh, that's a bit awkward. Right. And then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? Sure. I bet you there'll be some skirmishes here and there. I bet you it'll be physical. That's just, that's just joint practices. That's just what it is. But he also, I think really trusts Zach Taylor to that they will get each other the types of looks they need to get first and foremost, which I can't say necessarily happened with the Cowboys or the Raiders. Um, And then also the trust that things won't get out of control. And I definitely cannot say that that didn't happen with the Raiders uh, last year. So so I think that that trust factor being there, that to me, the playing surface, um, the ability to get a full showcase of looks in a sort of a controlled setting in a private environment, um, that your first teamers are going to play and, um, picking the guy or picking the cons The in this case, the defensive coordinator that you think, um, you're going to see similar people, people use similar things against you throughout the year. And it's very, to me, it's, it's, it's all of those things of, of possibly equal or slightly larger relevance. Um, but it's going to be interesting. I love joint practices. I'm stoked to get out there. Um, it's it's going to be fun. I think that it's an opportunity to really see, you know, for, for real, you know, how certain players on the first team that you just haven't seen guys like Allen Robinson, Bobby Wagner, like you've seen the Rams go against each other. And now you get to see what it looks like when they go against an actual, like very good defense um, in real time. Who's who's not, you know, running in script or even in some of these live stress periods where they can't really go full out. Even in Rams camp, like you're gonna see them actually go against each other and how they solve problems in real time. And, and one thing too, I will say one of the things that I hate about joint practices is when there's sort of this like overreaction on either side for either team. There's sort of like this overreaction of like winners and losers of the day, or yeah. like yeah. um, you know, Matthew Stafford threw like four interceptions against the Raiders last year. And that was like a big deal. Um the throws, I don't know if people actually knew, knew this, the throws that he was workshopping uh, ended up being one of them ended up being with the no look included uh, that wasn't included in the, in the, in the practice version. One of those throws ended up being the throw that we will now go down in Super Bowl history. It's just that in practice, Matthew Stafford didn't add the no look to it. It was picked, it was picked off. And so I just want to tell people like some of this stuff is intentional. Some of this stuff is intentional. Some of this stuff like sets up things that are down the road. Like the quarterbacks on either side, Joe Burrow, if he's throwing, he will do the same exact thing. They will try things again in a safe, controlled environment. They'll work on placement. They'll experiment with different contours and looks. And that's the point of these things. Um, It's not to like keep score or to tally, although I'm sure there'll be some breathless commentary, like, it's not to be like, um, you know, some of the things that we saw go viral last year. Like that's really not the point of these sessions at all. But um, right. I'm sure I'm screaming into the void on that one.
2: No, no, but you're right. But you're right. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, the phrase you used it multiple times. So I don't, I don't need to reiterate it. But the, the controlled environment. It's, it's, it's really the. To me, it's the hybrid between your, your intra-team practice and a preseason game. Uh, it allows you to do some of the things that you can't do necessarily in a practice in a normal practice, um, but also still maintaining some of the control that you lose. If you go out there just in a preseason game, including uh, on turf on turf, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> get the t-shirt ready. Oh, no. no tur- hashtag, no turf.
1: No, um, no weird, uh, heart, weird carrots, Circle yes. with the cross through yes. turf. That's there you shirt.
2: go. I, I I like it.
1: It's a very nice shirt that I'll get a lot of strange looks if I wear. Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, if, if people got a chance to, you know, you, you, you can't stop a preseason game. You can't go out there and and blow the whistle and be like, hey, let's 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 stop. Let's let's do that over again. Or, let, you know, let's cut this short and go on to the next drill. Like you said, I mean, Sean McVay and, and Zach Taylor, they're not there to help each other necessarily, but they're there for, um, you know, they're, they're they're trying to accomplish different things and they're trying to get out of that safe. And they're trying to get some competitive work in that, that will help both of them. So you get out there in a preseason game, you, you lose some control, you can't control situations, you can't control down and distance, you can't control how many times you're going to be in the red zone, uh, how many times you're going to do special teams, like you can't control all this stuff in a, in a preseason game. So, you know, this allows the coaches to get out there and, and you know, emphasize what they want to emphasize, get the packages out there that they want, the players that they want in some controlled situations. So um, really good, really, really really um, can, can be instructive, but also, as you said, Jordan, you don't want to read too much into it because at the end of the day, it is still a practice. There's not uh, the, the wins and losses are not important here. You don't know what a quarterback is trying to do. You don't know what they're trying to do with an offensive line. Um, So, you know, putting too much onto it is, is a little bit, uh, a little bit folly, I think, but, um, but Jordan, you will be there. Our readers are lucky for that. And uh, I hope you have a good time on uh, your trip to Cincinnati and uh, find out a lot of interesting stuff. Of course, you should. You should be already. But if you're not, you should be following Jordan on Twitter at Jordan Rodrigue. I'm at Rich underscore Ham in case you want to know anything about the uniforms. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to be wearing yet. Um, and uh, And of course, Jordan, Fantastic coverage throughout. She didn't spill her secret on what she was talking about with Taylor Rapp. So we're going to leave some intrigue there about what's coming, but I know it's going to be great. Our subscribers already know that. Thank you very much to our subscribers to The Athletic. And if you're not already, now is the perfect time, could not be a more perfect time to jump on board with the season opener against the Buffalo Bills. Right around the corner, you'll get all of Jordan's analysis on the roster, looking ahead to the season opener. And there's such an easy way to do it, Jordan. It could not be easier than by going to theathletic.com 11 personnel right now. And you get, in addition to all this amazing coverage, you get Jordan's favorite thing in the entire world, which is what?
1: A great discount. Again, waving my hands in the air, you guys, is my favorite thing in the world. A great discount. When you sign up for The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast every single time, regardless of whether we're running a special or not, you get a great discount every single time. You guys, we will be back next week. I hope you enjoyed this jumbo-sized, very... uh, very rant heavy, uh, um, but in a positive way. We love people
2: should know, Jordan. We said when we started, like, we could keep it short today. We can get yeah. it. And then we, we always end up with super interesting things to talk about. And we so.
1: just love we just love bouncing all this stuff off of each other, Rich, because it's so much fun. And we hope that you guys have a fun time listening to us as well and, and that you feel like you're here with us because we sure feel you guys are here with us as we record too. Um, keep the comments coming. Uh, keep the, uh, the the likes and the retweets and the. The ratings and reviews, we haven't asked for those in a while just because we feel it so much when you guys are on Twitter with us. Um, but keep those coming too. We, we love seeing that. We read everything you write to us and everything you send to us. Got a couple of awesome niche inside joke references this week, which were fantastic. Those are my favorite thing um, other than a great discount. They, they make me laugh every time. I know they sure make Rich laugh too. So we'll catch you guys next week. And in the meantime, Take care of yourselves, please. And please take care of each other, um, perhaps most importantly. And um, we'll see you next time.